It was a good lesson for us. Last Wednesday, about 5 o'clock or so, oh, 40 of us mature Lutherans from Upper Dublin Lutheran were going to take a journey off to Center City, Philadelphia, to hear the uniquely wonderful Lutheran pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber share insights from her latest book. It was getting to be a few minutes after the time we were to depart, and we began to look for the bus. It was, oh, a little about 93 degrees with humidity as we stood there in the Sunday school wing anticipating the bus. In our mind's eye, or at least in mine, relief was on the way. Any minute now, a huge, heggy bus with spacious reclining seats, iPhone chargers down at the floor, bathroom in the rear of the bus, and most essentially, air conditioning coolly fueling through every seat and every mind and body would pull up. Oops. Reality check. Here comes the bus. A cheery little orange school bus with windows all wide open, bumping into the parking lot and screeching to a stop in front of our door. With, of course, none of the aforementioned frills for transportation. We recalibrated rapidly our crushed expectations of comfort, knowing we would be sweating and disheveled when we arrived at our destination. Grabbing onto our windblown hair, therefore, we made it out towards 309 and towards our final destination on the freeway. However, upon arriving at Holy Communion Church in Center City, Philadelphia, actually my husband's home church, where often homeless people, men and women, sleep on the front steps of the church and come inside on Sundays for their coffee hour just to get the hot coffee and the cookies, I suddenly felt a great relief. How would it have appeared for our congregation in this location we were heading with guests standing outside in line from other churches waiting to go to the event if we had indeed, we of Upper Dublin, with a fairly happy congregation of good, good attendance and such, pulled up in the huge lap of luxury, bus luxury. Jesus asks his disciples today, you see, in this famous gospel, who do you say that I am? So do we appear to others, therefore, as his Christian sacrificial servants or those privileged few who prefer good service? How do our choices and priorities witness to the God that we claim to worship and to follow every day of our lives? And how well do we really know who our Lord is. Rally Day always serves as that festive day for children and all age groups to return from their distant summer adventures to start their new year of Sunday school or adult forum, maybe weekly worship again, participation in our outreach projects. 
And if we plan to be role models for our children, for the seekers of any age group, today's gospel is key. For our response to Jesus' question should be no less than life-changing. It's meant to be a radical reorientation of our behavior and our priorities and a witness to the world of whom we imitate in all that we do. And Jesus picks the perfect spot in Mark's gospel, in Mark's story, to have his disciples take this career-making quiz. Mark uh, 8 is smack dab in the middle of the 16 chapters of Mark's gospel. And so it's like you've been working up with Jesus' teaching and all the miracles up to this pivotal point where now the fulcrum has you shipping on either side. Are you going to go with Jesus or are you going to go with the world and all that you've always been doing? Jesus calls them to task in this gospel in no, with no doubt in his mind. They have arrived, you see, in the region also, uh, geographically, of Caesarea Philippi. And why is this the backdrop for this particular career quiz that Jesus gives them? Jesus make no mistake in this particular location. As we say, location, location, location. Well, this is a perfect spot for this question because here is where the Roman Empire has dominated the Jews for years and years. Here, at Caesarea Philippi, is the site of emperor worship, as well as worshiping the Greek god Pan. The location is chosen, therefore, to see which of the many gods the disciples will continue to pursue in this multicultural city of power and religious diversity, Jesus then asks his disciples. So, look at all of this, but who do people say that I am? And after he hears a few wrong responses, Jesus presses on. But who do you say that I am? Peter, John, Andrew, all of you. Peter steps up, of course, right away. You are the Messiah. A correct response at first. Still then, Jesus explains the deeper, deeper, deeper meaning of that title in his mission. To be a suffering servant. To bear rejection and death. And to rise again. Well, Peter can't stand that truth that he hears. He had hoped to ride in the haggy bus of comfort, not that humble, bumping school bus. He tried to rebuke Jesus, which angers our Lord enough for him to shout back at him, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Next, Christ outlines every disciple's calling, yours and mine, by saying, Deny yourselves and take up the cross and follow me. Mark scholar Richard Debert, who's been our women's Bible study kind of coach in a book he wrote uh, on Mark this year, gives us insight into Jesus' words when he says this, Mark skillfully draws us into the disciples' escalating confusion over Jesus, chapter after chapter after chapter, till now chapter 8. 
He makes it easy for us readers to criticize their hard-heartedness. But before we know it, we are faced with the same paradox that bewildered them. Jesus can be known only as he is followed. It's a huge, wonderful insight. Jesus can be known only as he is followed. This is why Jesus cannot be known by the crowds in the gospel. This is why Jesus is misunderstood by his own disciples. And this is why Jesus is misapprehended by the church today. Jesus will be known only as he is followed. The act of following contains within itself the education. Any who demand to understand Jesus before they will follow him cripple themselves with an impossible condition. They wish the blessing of Jesus, the blessing of Jesus' company, apart from the cost of discipleship. I guess that's why those folks who invested heart and soul in helping our homeless families, perhaps during hospitality month of August, get a fulfilling sense of Jesus' presence with them as they serve. And when we send our youth to Appalachia to serve and they sacrifice vacation time and making another week's salary, they come back on fire for Jesus and giving back to communities who are impoverished. And this summer, our ELCA held its triennial national youth gathering in the city of Detroit. Sadly, none of our youth were able to go. But there were 30 thousand teenagers there from all across the country with their pastors and youth leaders and they moved into a city that some felt Detroit was too dangerous. It was too run down and too drug infested for our kids to experience. Location, location, location is important in our discipleship lessons, however. But you may have heard the good news. It was in our Lutheran magazine and I think the August edition. Detroit is now a thriving place, apart from some of our misperceptions. The Lutheran magazine shares this. In total, youth and their leaders worked alongside Detroiters to paint 1,847 mural boards for vacant buildings, to board up 319 unoccupied homes, to clear 3,200 lots of debris, to distribute 1,425 backpacks and build 99 picnic tables. With support from their congregations and the women of the ELCA groups, participants also donated one million diapers for a Detroit diaper bank. The Gospel of Mark was the background, the Luther Magazine tells us, for the youth gathering entitled Rise Up Together. Rise Up Together. One of the teens from the Multicultural Youth Leadership event, which starts before the convention, Daquan Baker says, I love it here. So far, Detroit is bringing better experiences to me and opening up my horizons. I've learned how to be fair with other races and people of other ethnicities. 
Another teenager, Cassie Mathais from Lenore Rhine, says in her blog, I saw the opposite of what I expected. I saw biker, bike riders and people reading books and children playing in the fountains. I saw so much life. Even after minutes of being here, I sang in your streets, she says, and I weeded your flower beds, and I talked with your citizens, and I heard your spoken word and testimony of those who belong to you, Detroit. I served and worshipped and learned and laughed in your city, and I fell in love with it. And I might add, she encountered her Lord. This rally day, Jesus again asks every one of us, Who do you say that I am? And he adds in so many words, Follow me first. Wherever there is need and despair, and you will find your answer. Amen.